Hey guys, welcome back to Who, What, Where, a true crime podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Hannah, and Abigail. If you've never listened before, just know this is a very chatty girls' night sleepover type podcast. We will speculate and theorize a lot, so if that's not your jam, we totally understand. But if it is, you can tune in every Monday for a full-length episode, and then come back every Friday for a freaky Fast Friday episode, where we give you the rundown on a case, sometimes unsolved, always freaky, in 30 minutes or less. I'm gonna just edit it tomorrow while I'm watching the Super Bowl, I think. Okay. Oh, shit, that's tomorrow. What time? All right, everybody. 3.30. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say 2. I don't know. I work until 6, so. <laughs> is it the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Is that who it yeah. is? Okay, yeah. so honestly, though, just as, like, last note, and then we can really start. The fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made it to the Super Bowl is just confirmation that Tom Brady, no matter it's, what yeah. fucking team, and I, I know the sun it, shines it, out of his ass. Yeah, it pisses me off. It makes me mad too. As much as you, as it pisses you off, for me to even fucking say it, but it, it grinds my gears so bad. But I'm like, it's true. It, he really just proved to everybody this season that no matter what team he's on, okay, that'll, that'll, that'll go. That'll go to the end. I don't know. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Maura Murray. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about this case. It's kind of a crazy one. It's relatively older, I guess you could say. It's from the early 2000s, um, but it's still, it's a cold case. So it, no one knows where she is, and she basically disappeared without a trace, Um there were a lot of kind of events leading up to her disappearance that some people would argue was her kind of leading, like leaving a little bit of um, kind of like a trail for people to follow. But then the actual disappearance itself, she basically vanished out of thin air. So on December night, why did I say December? I don't know. <laughs> it says February. What the fuck? Okay. On February 9th, 2004, and I don't know how I do this, but almost every time we do an episode, it it is February 6th when we film this, and it'll be, I think, February 8th when this podcast goes up, so like a day before, and and it's like the same thing with the Lizzie Borden case, where literally that week, yeah, coincidentally, that week her house went up for sale, and I'm like, I don't how I do this guys it just comes to me I don't know (laughs) anyway on February 9th 2004 Maura Murray a 21 year old nursing student student oh my god she's so young I just realized I literally don't know I'm sorry I'm not laughing about Maura because I'm really sad about her case but I literally cannot stop mispronouncing things it's like words just come in and just go out the other way weird okay A 21-year-old nursing student disappeared after a minor car crash near Woodsville, New Hampshire. We'll talk about the details leading up to her disappearance, the investigation, and then we'll talk about a few theories of what happened to her and why such a seemingly normal young woman disappeared without a trace at all. Maura was born in Hanson, Massachusetts to parents Fred and Lori. Maura's parents divorced when she was young and she had lived primarily with her mother her entire life which is actually kind of an interesting fact when you come to some information later. Um, She was a star athlete in high school on the track team, and she went on to be accepted into the United States Military Academy at West Point. So that's pretty cool. Dude, that's awesome. She was, she was, that's a big deal. A pretty badass woman, I would say. 
Um, she studied chemical engineering for three semesters, and then she transferred to the University of Massachusetts Amherst, which is where she um, started studying nursing. So she is a smart, working on getting her education, young woman, and frankly, what happens to her is like really horrible, but we don't even when know she exactly was, she was what 21 when she went missing. Yeah. Dude, and that's... That's younger than both you and I, Hannah. Which is weird because I think the first time I ever heard about this case, I was much younger. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we started this podcast, I was thinking about what can we talk about other than like murder mystery type? And I was like, this is disappearance cases are like some of the most kind of devastating cases for some reason. Like the Not fact knowing. That, closure. Yeah. The fact yeah. that you don't know, I think is the hard part. So Um, In November 2003, Maura used a stolen credit card to order food from a few restaurants, including one in Hadley, Massachusetts. So like around kind of where she lived and was going to school. Um, Hmm. The charge was continued into December and it was eventually dismissed after three months of good behavior. Um, I kind of just noted that because I think that's odd that such a bright and like well-performing student had kind of this minor run-in with the law I don't know it it, it is the only kind of issue she had with the law for a little while um on February 5th 2004 so this is now we're up to like right before the disappearance happened because on February it was on February 9th that she disappeared so on February 5th Mara speaks to her older sister Kathleen while working at her campus security job Um, Her older sister, Kathleen, was having a variety of relationship issues, which I'll talk about later. Um, The kind of contents of the phone call didn't come out until a couple years later because of how sensitive the topic was, I guess, of the conversation. Um, Around 10.30 p.m., her supervisor arrived at Mora's desk (laughs) to find her hysterically crying, and then she became unresponsive and was just, like, completely zoned out. She didn't, like, pass out or anything, but she had, like, been sobbing, and then all of a sudden she just had, like, a blank face and was completely zoned out. Um, Her supervisor eventually escorted her back to her dorm room, which was around 1.20 a.m., so... I know this seems like weirdly late, but she was working at a campus security job. So that'd be kind of the normal time to be out and doing security things, I guess. Wait, um, was there a reason she didn't go to West Point? It, not that I found. She only went there for three um, semesters, I think it was. Yeah. And so I wonder if it was just like too much for her, too, too difficult, intense. too intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or didn't just like she was studying chemical engineering at the time too, so maybe just didn't align with what she wanted to do. I'm not. Yeah, well, nursing sure. is quite a bit different. Yeah. Um, when the supervisor asked what was wrong, Mora responded with two words. She just said, "My sister." The supervisor had no idea what she was talking about, and no one did until October 2017, when Kathleen admitted to being an alcoholic, and said on that night she had been discharged from rehab. And her fiance took her to a liquor store, which in parentheses, I have WTF because literally why the, like, what an enabler. No wonder Mora was so kind of distraught about that because that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty messed up. And so it caused Kathleen to have kind of an emotional breakdown, which also caused Mora to have, 
you know, when your sister calls you in hysterics, like that would obviously make you be like, oh my God, what is going on? On February 7th, Maura's father, Fred, came to visit her in Amherst. Um, they went car shopping that afternoon and eventually went out to dinner with a friend of Maura's. Maura dropped off her father at his motel and then borrowed his Toyota Corolla to return back to campus for a dorm party, which I understand we all got to get our, our party on, but why was she driving to a party? Because as you can probably imagine, she was probably going to end up drinking. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that kind of comes into play here in a minute. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, by 2.30 a.m. on Sunday, February 8th, she was leaving the party. Not that weird. That time is pretty, like, I don't know on par with the college party and she was en route to her father's motel sometime around 3 30 a.m which i thought this was a little bit odd because why would her father be staying so far away that it would take her over like an hour from when she left the party to when she was in this accident hmm do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like so she, she must have gone somewhere else in between, you think? Yeah. She left the party at 2.30 a.m. And then around 3.30 a.m. She struck a guardrail causing significant damage to her father's car. Um, so the police came, obviously. And there was no documentation of sobriety tests being conducted, which I think is also very strange. Like, I don't know how she got out of that because I feel like it was she was probably intoxicated, I would imagine. Um and she was driven to the motel and stayed in his room until the next morning. So the police officer, whoever came and responded to the scene, the car was so messed up, it was like totaled. Um, so she had to be driven back to the motel. <clears throat> Around 5 a.m., there was a cell phone call from Mora to her boyfriend from her father's phone. Where is her phone? Question mark. That's what I said. It's like, where, why doesn't she have her phone with her? Why isn't she calling her own boyfriend on her own phone? Um, instead of on her her own phone. boyfriend <laughs> um well, that yeah her boyfriend on her own phone mm-hmm. yes um you couldn't find what happened to her phone well and I don't know if maybe like her phone was just dead that's totally possible but I just thought that was an interesting thing to note that she called on her father's phone mm-hmm. the contents and participants of this call remain unknown to this day so as far as I know, like her boyfriend, everything that I saw, he, they just mentioned him as her boyfriend, not as like a real name. So, oh, really? His name was Billy Ray Roush. Roush. The damage to Fred's car was covered by auto insurance, which is awesome. Good for Fred. And he rented a car and returned home to Connecticut that next day. Um, at 11.30 on Sunday night, which is a little bit late to be calling, but whatever, he called his daughter and they agreed to talk sometime again on Monday to discuss the accident forms that she was going to have to fill out so that they could file an insurance claim. So now we're leaded up. Leaded? Led. I can't do this. We are up into the day of the disappearance. So around midnight on February 9th, Mora searched MapQuest, and in parentheses I have, lol, throwback. Y'all remember MapQuest when you would, like, go and Google, like, where you're going to go and fucking print that and shit have, out? You'd, like, print it out, yeah. Um, and they, this is where she looked up directions to the Berkshires and Burlington, Vermont. 
Around 1 p.m., Maura emailed her boyfriend and said, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking to much of anyone. I promised to call you today, though. Love you, Maura. She signed her text message? It was an email. Oh. And she's just being, she's just, she's just being business professional. It's okay. She's being thorough. I love we're it. Good, okay. Um, didn't even call him by his name. She just said stud, but then said, love you, comma, Maura. Anyway. Sometime after that, she called a property management company inquiring about renting a condo at the same Bartlett, New Hampshire condo where her family had vacationed in the past. We love to see it. We love to see a bougie vacation. Um, The call only lasted three minutes and the owner did not rent the condo to Maura. I mean, fair point. She's a 21 year old woman. I don't I don't know if she was trying to rent it long term or if she was just trying to rent it for like a quick vacation. Honestly, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later when we kind of discuss the theories. But to me, it just sounded like she was and speaking from someone who was in her position, not her exact position, obviously, but in a similar position just less than a year ago, like in college, struggling uh, emotionally, mentally, you know, like just like having a tough time. College is hard and like supporting yourself and trying to keep up with your relationships and working and everything that's difficult. And so it just seemed like she wanted to get away and things just went bad basically is what it seems like to some, to myself, but we'll talk about that more later. Like I said, around 1 13 PM, she called a fellow nursing student and the contents of this call are unknown. Um, but it just shows again that like either she was thinking this through so far out that she was like trying to make sure she had like alibis and like was talking to people or this was just a normal day. And like I said, she was just trying to get away for a little bit for the weekend or whatever. And things mm-hmm. just went wrong. At 124, she emailed her work supervisor and said that there would be that she would be out of town for a week due to a death in the family. This is false. There was no death in the family. But again, it's just like this girl just needed some time away, I think. Yeah, college is rough. Yeah. She said that I mean she- it is it is kind of suspicious though that she's like gearing up so that everybody knows she's going to be gone. It's like she intended on coming back. Exactly. That's that's my point. I don't know if I got that clearly across before, but that's kind of my point is it was like she was just telling everyone, even though she wasn't explicitly saying to everybody, hey, I'm going to be gone. I just need a weekend away. But she was telling people that she was going to be gone. Like it wasn't really mm-hmm. a secret. No one knew where she was going, but it wasn't a secret that she was going to be gone is kind of mm-hmm. what I think. Yeah. Um, she said that she would contact the supervisor when she had returned and she was ready to come back to work and stuff. At 2.05, Murray Mora called a number which provided information about booking hotels in Stowe, Vermont. So not that weird, but again, kind of like blast from the past, early 2000s, where you had to call a phone number about booking ho- a hotel instead of just like going on hotels.com. But anyway, just a side note there. Um, trying to keep it light and fresh. It's kind of, a, it gets more depressing as we go on. Um, at 2.18, she called her boyfriend and left a voicemail promising that they'd talk later. The message was around one minute. So similar to probably what she said in her email where she was like, hey, sorry, we didn't ch- chat today. We'll talk later. In her car, which was later found, um, Mora had packed clothing, toiletries, college textbooks, and her birth control. So Again, further proving the point, I think that she was just going away for the weekend. She had clothes, she had toiletries, she had her textbooks for studying. I mean, 
<clears throat> she wasn't like this. She del- definitely intended on coming back. Yeah. He wasn't like a delinquent that was just like trying to run away and never and like escape her responsibility. She just needed like time away is what it seems like. Um, when they later searched her room, most of her stuff had been packed into boxes and the art had been removed for the walls. So that's okay. a little odd. That's kind of a weird little turn. Um, that's mm. that's sort of where my whole, oh, she just needed to get away for a week theory kind of. Well, and, like, what could explain that, I I guess, is the, like, what is, like, another possible explanation for that? Like, I mean, so the other... She was going to redecorate when she got back? Maybe, or my thought is maybe, um, you know, she was living in the dorms, and she she had a boyfriend, so maybe she wanted to move out and live with her boyfriend? I don't know. Like, maybe she was planning on moving out, and she hadn't told, like, her parents or anybody because they didn't, she thought they would be, like, disappointed. I don't know. Um, it's unsure exactly when she had packed all of these boxes and packed everything away, but it was probably sometime between Sunday night and Monday morning. So in the middle of the night, basically, um, how do they know that? Because like of the time that she had talked to people and when she, oh, I see. And when she had left, like between those two time periods, um, on top of the boxes was a printed email to Mora's boyfriend which indicated trouble in the relationship so that's kind of weird too um on the box there was a printed email saying to that was she was going to send to her boyfriend that was saying that there was some sort of trouble in the relationship why did she print it i don't know so that almost that sounds like um i don't know if there's like a term for it but she's like trying to create evidence like she knows people would be looking for evidence, you know? Yeah. That well, sounds and, like forceful. And I'm almost wondering if like it's almost like she had this really elaborate plan to like run away with her boyfriend forever. And she's like, oh, no one will guess that we ran away together if I put this email here. I don't know. That's kind of it, it, it again, like there is a lot of information and things that have been dug up around this case, and there's still no no answer really. Um, at 3.30 p.m., she drove off campus in her 1996 Saturn sedan. Um, the classes that day had been canceled due to a snowstorm. So it was snowy, middle of winter, middle of a New England winter, basically. Um, at 3.40, Mora withdrew $280 from an ATM. Um, based on the CCD- CCTV footage that they found, she was alone at the time, so she was not with anybody. There was no one in the car or nothing like that. At a nearby liquor store, she then purchased about $40 worth of alcohol. She bought some Baileys, Kahlua, vodka, and boxed wine, and she was still alone at this time. So kind of just a basic, someone, like any, any 21-year college female would buy those items, I feel like. So that's not that weird, honestly. Yeah, no, me. pretty normal. If you yeah, ask she's me. she's going on a weekend trip. She wants some booze. That's okay. Um, she also picked up the accident report forms she needed to have. She needed to have a talk with her dad about. So again, very much so, in my opinion, saying she's getting all her stuff in order. Like she's not planning to run away and never come back. It's not like she's like abandoning responsibilities. Mora left Amherst around 4 p.m. via I-91 North. Um, The last recorded use of her cell phone was at 4.37 p.m. that day when she called to check her voicemail. 
She had not informed anyone of her destination, and it's possible that she hadn't even chosen a destination at that point. And again, kind of like what we were saying before, like she kind of made it clear that she was leaving. She didn't really hide that, but she didn't really tell anybody where she was going. So, and again, it's possible that she didn't even know where she was going. She just needed to get away for a little bit. At 7.27 p.m., there was a report of a car accident. In Woodsville, New Hampshire, a resident reported hearing a loud thump outside of her house. Through the window, she could see a car up against the snowbank along Route 112. So, again, it was snowing. It looked like a car had, like, hit the snowbank and kind of gone up it, you know, on the side of the road. The car was pointed west on the eastbound side of the road. So, she had kind of swerved off to the side. Like, she was going this way and she, like, hit that side. The resident called the Grafton County Police Department at 7.27 p.m., so like right when she saw it. Based on the call she made, she claimed to have seen a man inside the car smoking a cigarette. Okay, keep that in mind. That's okay. a little weird. This is Maura's car, by the way. If I didn't make that Well, and they're assuming she was in it, right? Yes. Yeah. However, she later contradicted herself and said she had not seen a man with a cigarette, even though she told them that she did. But rather, she had seen a red glowing light, possibly from a cell phone. And like we mentioned, or like like I just mentioned a little bit ago, the last recorded use of Mora's cell phone was at 4.37 p.m. So was it a cell phone? Was it a man with a cigarette? Not even this lady knows. And apparently she saw it. Anyway, another neighbor saw the car as well as someone walking around the vehicle. So it like when they looked out of their window, this was kind of a desolate area. Um. But when she looked out the window, she could see somebody walking around the vehicle. Um, but that's not that weird. If you got in a car accident, you're trying to kind of like assess the damage. Can I still drive? Is this, How bad is it? Can I get it off of here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, there was also a third neighbor that pulled up by the vehicle. The third neighbor noticed the woman was not bleeding or visibly injured, but she pleaded to not call the cops. So she said that she had already called AAA again. There was no cell reception. We know she hadn't used her cell phone because last recorded use was around three o'clock. Um, so the neighbor knew that she was lying and then they proceeded to go home and call the police. Um, mm-hmm. The theory for why she didn't want to call the cops is probably number one, she had probably been drinking. Um, we kind of later figure, once, once I talk about what was found in the car, we'll kind of confirm that, I guess you would say. Um and also she had just gotten in that car accident in her dad's car and so she probably didn't want like another accident Mm -hmm. on the record like very oh definitely yeah the third neighbor um by the time he had gone inside and was calling the police at 7 43 he was unable to see maura's car anymore so he was just by her talking to her and now he couldn't see the car but he saw multiple cars pass the where the car was on the road before the police arrived. So this is where it kind of opens up the possibility that someone picked her up. Whether that was someone she knew and it was like a wanted something or whether or not it was a random person and there was foul play involved. That's kind of open to interpretation. Um A witness claimed that she was driving home from work and saw a police SUV parked face-to-face with Maura's car, but 
she pulled over briefly and did not see anyone inside or outside of the cars and decided to continue home. And she claimed this happened at 737, but this contradicts the official police report, which says that the police did not arrive to the scene until 746. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, first of all, there was a lot of people driving on this road at the time. So there was a lot of opportunity for um, evidence to get mishandled, for people to be like, oh, I saw this. And then someone say, oh, I saw this. And then be completely different statements. Well, because everybody wants to like have a story when they're asked, you know, like everybody wants to be like, oh, yeah, I saw this very specific thing that there's no way my brain would have captured that memory at that time. Exactly. But they're like, oh, yeah, I definitely remember it. Like, Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at 746 was when the police arrived at the scene. And at that point, no one was inside or outside of the car. The car was inoperable. Um, the car had hit a tree on the driver's side of the vehicle and both airbags had deployed. There is a crack in the windshield and the car was locked. So it was like Mora got out of the car and locked the car and then essentially disappeared without literally any trace. That's so Um, weird. The car was locked? Yeah. So now let's talk about the weird collection of items that were inside of the vehicle. So I'll preface this by saying some of the items are not that (laughs) weird. I think it's funny that Caitlin said okay. Like she did nothing to. Or like you had an option. Okay. I'm trying to be an active participant. (laughs) I'm really really tired. So I am not doing a great job. I'm trying guys. I'm trying. Um, And I'll preface this by saying a lot of the items are not that weird, I guess, for like a 21 year old girl and knowing what she had purchased earlier in the day. But then there are like a few things that are a little bit odd. There were red stains everywhere in the car. And I know what you say immediately. Oh, my God, it's blood. No. (laughs) Oh, my God, it's blood. It was was wine, which we know our girl got a Oh, no, she was drinking while she was driving. Yeah. Oh, Um, my gosh. There was an empty beer bottle. There was a damaged box of wine. So she had been drinking that and throwing it around. I don't know. I don't know why it was damaged other than the fact that maybe they meant it had been opened. I don't know. Um, a triple A card. Well, maybe that's why it was everywhere. Maybe she didn't drink it. Yeah, I don't it was know. just broken. Like how? Like what were you doing? That like it was flying around everywhere and spilling everywhere. Anyway, a triple A card that was issued issued to Mora. Um, accident report forms, which were blank. So those were the same ones that she had picked up earlier in the day that she needed to fill out with her dad. Gloves, CD, the other car. Yeah, the other car Jesus. she crashed. Which this is like two days, right? separating yes, the, the two accidents the okay yeah. um gloves so CD. honestly when you started talking about the one with her dad's car that's when i thought i thought that was gonna be the yeah i know the I know. accident that she disappeared after okay no, sorry to interrupt really she just had a really bad couple of days honestly oh, poor girl. which um, been there man yeah <laughs> so had then, a bad couple of years <laughs> yeah then there were gloves cds makeup and jewelry Driving directions to Burlington, Vermont, which we already knew she was getting. Mora's favorite stuffed animal. Interesting. Mm. And the book, Not Without Peril, which was a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains, which are in that area. This mm. is where another theory comes into play. And that's the theory that she was going to go on like some kind of hiking expedition 
and she and not tell anybody yeah and she made it and then just like died of exposure um there Mm. that's i don't know it's just like this really weird the fact that there's this book about mountain climbing in her car in a very similar area to where she was planning on going or what we could what we can assume where we can assume she was planning on going well yeah she had driving directions to that place like well, I, I think that's a pretty easy assumption to make well she had driving directions to um burlington vermont and the oh white- is that not hold on the white mountains are a mountain range in new hampshire so they're right but, next to each other yeah they're all in like very similar area you can get well, from one corner to the other faster than one side of Washington to the other. So, and and I guess the thought is about the whole book thing is like, is it just an entire coincidence that she had this book about mountain climbing, right, that was found in her car right before she went missing? Or is it, is it completely like related? Like, was she trying to go mountain climbing in the White Mountains and then everything just went really bad? I don't know. Mm-hmm. um but then you know it, it brings up the question why did she call to rent a condo why did she you know buy a bunch of booze i mean it's just a, there's a bunch of other things that kind of come into play that kind of so the, like the, the idea that she was going mountain climbing the weird thing about like the calling to like get accommodations like again like a call leaves like Le- a paper right. trail yeah and it's like she's almost intentionally trying to leave some kind of paper trail, you yeah. know? And, and you know, that kind of makes me think just like off the top of my head, like maybe she was like running away from somebody or something. Like maybe there was something in her life that she was trying to run away from. And so she was like leaving a trace to say, this is where I'll be. If you can't find me, like I should be mm-hmm. here kind of thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, in the car, they did not find Maura's debit card, credit card, cell phone, and then they also didn't find some of the purchase bottles of liquor from earlier. Um, so that's a little bit And they're assuming too. that she had them with her? They're assuming, yeah. So she, um, they believe that she had a black backpack with her, and that is something that, so she basically, they basically believe that she had in this backpack her debit card credit card cell phone and then some of the purchase bottles of liquor um Mm. some people also think like oh like if she was trying to flee from the police she would probably have picked up the bottles of liquor especially if they had been drinking out of at all Mm -hmm. um to kind of hide that you know in, in an attempt to like save face if she was kind of running away from the police um Sometime around 8 to 9.30 p.m., a contractor returning home from work saw a young person about four to five miles east of where Maura's car was discovered. Um, He said that the person was moving quickly down the road. They were wearing jeans, a dark coat, and a light-colored hooded jacket, or like hooded sweatshirt, a hoodie. He didn't report the incident, which I think is odd. Um, I mean, how often do you see someone So he probably just thought it was like a hitchhiker. So, yeah, basically what he said is at the time he didn't think anything of it until he realized when he was, like, kind of checking his records. When everything came out that there was, like, this mix- missing girl, at, he didn't really think anything of it. He was like, yeah, I didn't see anything. And then three months later, he was like, oh, my gosh, that was the day that I saw that person walking down the side of the road. 
<clears throat> that could be like another one of those things that I, the word for it escapes me, but it's like where people think they saw something, even though at the time there's no way that their brain would have like recorded that as significant. I think I was talking about this in a different episode. It's like a, a phenomenon essentially where it has some kind of name. I'm pretty witnesses sure. remember facts wrong. Like all the time. Or they'll just remember, they'll remember things, but they're like, they're not necessarily like. Complete. Yeah, because like their brain, they weren't, if you're not focusing on something, you're not necessarily going to recall that many important details about it. Like, yeah. If you weren't looking at that person being like, oh, I bet that person is fleeing from a car accident. You wouldn't be like, oh, they, you know. And that's how they catch like a lot of like criminals too is if like you are telling some super detailed you know recall of what happened that day then that's like a a red flag that oh my gosh okay they know way too much about this or they know stuff that we don't even know like why do they know that kind of thing well that's like why when cases are not closed yet they'll like they just won't release certain things because they're like oh this thing if somebody slips up and says that they know this thing we can be like we for sure didn't release this to the press so we can like be positive that it that's like that person had some kind of involvement because we didn't release that anywhere mm-hmm. yeah so i mean basically at the time he didn't think anything of it it was maybe a hitchhiker but then kind of playing like the other side it's like really how many people did you see walking down this road late at night was this a highway? No, it was. Um, it wasn't a highway. I can't remember. It's like a what is it? What did they call it? Route one twelve. So yeah, kind of. So yeah, it was like a state route. And I don't know. I, I mean, guess how, my. I mean, how often had he driven past someone just walking down the side of the road that he didn't even like think anything of it? Maybe a lot, but maybe. Well, he was a tr- was... trucker. You said. Contractor. Was he a trucker? He was a contractor returning home from work. Oh, a contractor. I thought you said he was a trucker. Because I was like, a trucker? And that makes a lot of sense. But, like, just some random person in their truck. Yeah. Like, I could could see, like, you passing some... I don't know. I I always, like, think about it when I see people walking. I don't drive on a lot of highways. But, like, the highway coming out of Cheney, like, there's people walking on it sometimes. Mm hmm Yeah. I don't know, but like if you saw that at like eight or nine thirty p.m., it's dark and in the snowy dark. Outside. It's so. cold. They're also, walking. Though, they're walking really quickly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like there's, these are all kind of things that I feel like I would know. But so, Caitlin, there's like not enough people walking along the highway you're talking about that I don't notice when there is. So yeah, I definitely notice because yeah. it's not normal. No, that's, like, what I'm saying is, like... Oh, okay, gotcha. It doesn't happen that often, so you'd think, like, you would be, like, that's kind of weird. Maybe I should, like, see if they're okay or... Especially the, in the Like, snow. report it or... Especially if, in the snow and, like... Especially if, if they, they were... were she woman, was wearing jeans. If they were a well, woman... Well, if it was a woman, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, because I probably honestly wouldn't stop for a man because I'd be scared. But a woman walking through the snow like she probably needs like gas or something like that uh-huh. you know like just stopping to check on her and make sure she's okay or if I can call somebody for her well and that's usually the case I feel like if somebody's walking on the road it's like they're usually like going to 
the next exit to go to the gas station to get gas for their car. Yeah. Actually, I saw somebody doing that not that long ago on I-90. They were walking down the side of I-90. I saw somebody doing that too. I wonder if it was the same person. (laughs) Wait. But they were two men, so I didn't stop to help. Yeah. I'm not trying to Honestly, I feel that. Being being nice gets you nowhere, you know? It gets you dead, pretty much. (laughs) Men. Like, offering help to random people, it... It sucks because, like, that's the society we live in, but, like, I don't know. If I'm risking being, like, injured or, like, I don't know. I, especially for something, like, that little, like, gas, you know what I mean? Like, I'm always, like, terrified that I'm going to, like, break down on the side of the highway and, like, be changing a tire or something and somebody's going to stop. And I'm going to get my ass back in my car. Yeah, I'm going to be like, oh my god, please go away. I don't want your help. <laughs> please don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. Anyway, sorry, Hannah, we've gotten very sidetracked. The police officer continued to drive around and search for Mora. <laughs> um, by 8.49 p.m., the car had been towed, and they had, like, took it to a um, garage or whatever to, like, start examining it um, and stuff. Um at that garage, I guess you could call it, a rag believed to be part of Mora's roadside kit was stuffed into the muffler pipe. Oh. What? Wait, what does that mean? No clue. Not no good things. Yeah, I don't know if it was she was trying um, to buy it. No, that's bad. That hold on. Means... I was gonna say I feel like that's uh intentional, like because that would make the car overheat, I think. Okay, so when you stuff in, so a lot of people do it with a potato because it's like the right circumference. And if you put a potato or like a rag in a tailpipe, um, it leads to like a crack in the pipe, which leak fumes gradually into, into the car and it'll stall. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It would like, I mean, it wouldn't overheat, like I said, but. It would make it look like she had an excuse to be pulling over to the side of the road because her car, quote unquote, broke down. Yeah, I don't think she did it. I think somebody else did. Oh, you think? Hmm. Um, yeah. If she, there would be no reason to put a rag in your own exhaust pipe. See, and that's the thing. It's like, th- what are you trying to stop? <laughs> this is one of the many um, facts, notes, whatever you want to call it about the case. Similar to, like, the printed out email on top of the boxes. Like, what does it mean? I have no idea, but it's, like, one of the facts that, you know, because she ended up disappearing, everyone's, like, analyzing it. Like, hyper-analyzing it almost. But it could just, I don't know. It could be just kind of a weird little fact. I don't know. But it's, like, what does it mean? How is it connected? And no one really knows that. Yeah, totally. Um, by 12 p.m. the next day, Mora was referred to as missing. So, wasn't didn't take long for her to be like confirmed as a missing person. From February to June 2004, um, this kind of the time frame where everything first started, where all the investigations and um, search parties and all that came out. This was like the first bout of it. Um, a be on the lookout report was issued for Mora at 12.36 p.m. on February 10th. So shortly after, you know, kind of like the day started on February 
10th and everybody was getting into um you know the work and people were saying oh yeah more is missing blah blah blah, whatever um a voicemail was left for fred at 3 20 p.m saying that mora's car had been found abandoned he was told by the haverhill police department that if mora was not found safe by the following morning they would start a search kind of annoying that they didn't start it like immediately but i think it's like it sucks because like you know hindsight's 2020 well in a 24 hour rule yeah and exactly and and it's and she was an adult um again possible that a lot of people at this time and this is still like one of the major theories is that she was just trying to avoid the police and so she was just running away and so what um, was she running away from though because she got in a car accident and had been drinking and driving again Mm -hmm. um she technically didn't get caught for drinking and driving the first time but it's kind of assumed that she was drinking and driving oh. after that college party and got in an oh. accident. Wouldn't there be a record of her getting, like, pulled over? She wasn't pulled over. She just got in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she really didn't want anyone to call the police. So in both, in both of her recent car accidents on February 7th in her dad's car and this one, police were called to the scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. so that that's, makes way more sense then. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. You must have missed when I talked about that. That's okay. I'm like um, dozing off a little but, bit. But yes, so they're, that is one of the major theories. Um, okay. Okay, so is that she was fleeing the police. Anyway. And then just decided to never come back. <laughs> well, um, I'll talk about it. In, I don't want to get okay. into that right now. But um, on February 11th, Fred arrived Fred arrived in Haverhill at dawn and by 8 a.m., so just a couple hours later, they began the search for Mora because obviously she hadn't been found. A dog tracked the scent from one of Mora's gloves 100 yards east from where the vehicle had been discovered. People began to believe she had not traveled on foot but by huh. by possibly by a car. Um, so, Which doesn't line up at all with that guy who was like, yeah, I like saw somebody walking down the road that might have been her. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting um, little tidbit. Basically, the dog... To- knew the you do- were going to say tidbit. The dog tracked the scent from the glove 100 yards east, and then it like basically dropped off. So... And like, so like dog, she got in a car. Like she got in a car. Yeah. Um, and so this is kind of a thought like, was it an unwanted advance? Like, did someone pick her up that she didn't want to pick her up? Was it someone that she somehow got a hold of? Was it an agreed upon meeting place? I have no clue. No one has any clue, really. And it's just like, mm-hmm. again, it's one of these weird facts that it's been hyper analyzed because of the fact that she disappeared. But like, what is yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. No one knows. Um, at 5 p.m., Mora's boyfriend and his parents arrived in Haverhill at, to where he could start, like, being questioned and help with the search and everything. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, because they always look at the boyfriend. Yeah. By 7 p.m., they believed Mora had come to the woods to run away or commit suicide. That was kind of the police's thoughts at Initial that Initial belief, yeah. Yeah, like, er- very early on. Um, which, to be fair given the facts as up to this point like what they could have possibly known it's not that not that far off i would say um but again it really felt like she left like this trail didn't seem like she was like 
going to come somewhere to commit suicide. She was like keeping up with her responsibilities and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, um, I so and it doesn't necessarily she there wasn't any like other signs really of suicidal thoughts, were there? No, and she didn't have like any weapon in her car or gun, nothing. I mean, like she was it does seem like she like suddenly started drinking and driving though like it didn't seem like she was like yeah having issues have a pass she, with that or anything. hell she had like been at west point for three semesters where like i'm sure she was mm-hmm. i mean she didn't get kicked out she left on her own um fruition so like it just definitely seems like something happened very suddenly so i guess it could be like that she was depressed and she was like feeling suicidal i guess technically that's possible yeah yeah i mean the truth of the matter is like as much as we want to say oh i would have known if they were going to commit suicide i would have known if they were depressed the truth is is a lot of times you don't know um Uh it's it's especially like a strong young woman like mora would i assume would hide that really well and hide it with yeah you know definitely kind of a fake smile on her face and getting her stuff done and still being well, a good i was gonna student, say good employee all that all um, of that is like it's you can't even necessarily use like oh she was still like taking care of her life responsibilities mm-hmm. because like you know lots of people do that while they're internally struggling so exactly yeah especially in college and like i mean now i feel thankful now that at least mental health is a little bit more talked about but you know in mm-hmm. 2004 a lot of schools a lot of colleges have like mental health resources like at yeah. the college N- which is now but i mean like early i don't know if they did back then yeah I, I or even if it. they did i think that they i mean they've always was, had... was it socially acceptable yes that, that right. it, that's kind of the point i was making or trying to make was Would she have sought treatment you know is the thing. In, well and in everybody some, that's in some sense nowadays it's kind of trendy to like keep up with your mental health and, and you know, she, kind of in tune with that sort of thing. So anyway, so at that point they believed that, and eventually they actually at a press conference on February 12th, um, around 3 PM, they said that they believed Mora was endangered and possibly suicidal. And they also believe that she was intoxicated at the tra- crash site. So again, they technically don't know for sure. Cause they didn't see her, but it, they're pretty sure that she had been drinking their beer bottle wine everywhere she took liquor bottles with her blah 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 at some point um which we're unsure exactly of the time because mora's boyfriend was traveling on an airplane so he had turned his phone off um when he was on the plane obviously um so we're not sure exactly when this voicemail came in but mora's boyfriend received voicemail that sounded like mora sobbing the voicemail was traced to a calling card issued to the American Red Cross. Weird. Weird. Wait, wait, wait. Well, what does that mean? A calling card is like... No, no, no. I know what a calling card is. I'm asking what that means to the story, I guess. Exactly. Again, like the 12th point that I've brought up in this case where it's like... She doesn't have any connection to the Red Cross. I mean, she she went to West Point, then she was um, working as a campus security and she was studying nursing but that's it well she was studying nursing so i mean it could be i found a reddit thing about it un momento i mean honestly though caitlin like that's like kind of this whole case is there's all these like 
little tidbits, but we have no, no one knows what they mean because we don't know what happened to her. Oh, so apparently the Red Cross thing um, is more of like a, they don't even know if it was Mora's voice. Yeah, they don't. He Like he it's believed, possible it was like a wrong number. He believed that it was Mora. Um, that's what he said. He, was that well, he, he said I'm. Mora. He said I'm certain that it was Mora. Yeah. Well, who else would be calling him crying? Well, it could be His a wrong number. Girlfriend. Yeah, but what are the chances? That, that is such a, a coincidence. Number? That would be like such a crazy. I thing. have never once gotten a wrong number call of just somebody sobbing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then they coincidentally went missing right after. Fred, as along with Mora's boyfriend, were on CNN American Morning, and the family eventually expanded their search into Vermont. So they went on the CNN American Morning special or whatever the heck it was. I don't really know exactly what. I don't think they still have American Morning. Seems very early 2000s-esque. Um, and basically were like, please help us find Mora. She's missing. She's still missing. She's possibly suicidal and endangered, blah, blah, blah. And then they eventually had expanded their search up into Vermont, which it's kind of weird that it took them this long because it was pretty clear that she was planning on going to Vermont based off of like the map quests and stuff that she had like downloaded and whatnot. So I don't know. Um, 10 days after the disappearance, the New Hampshire Fish and Game conducted a second ground and air search where they used thermal imaging, tracking dogs and cadaver dogs. So at this point, it was coming becoming like increasingly possible that she was dead. Gamora's older sister then found a pair during the search, found a pair of white women's underwear that were like all ripped up that were lying in the snow on a secluded trail. So first of all, this is very alarming, like just right off the bat. Um, but the underwear's DNA did not end up belonging to Mara. But kind of the weird part about this is who did it belong to? Why are there just pairs of underwear like? in the woods um all ripped up i don't know kind of weird oh yeah the ripped up part is weird um but i guess it's a good thing that they didn't belong tomorrow mora by march 2nd the family had checked out of their motel and they were just completely exhausted by the search at this point it had been almost an entire month that they had been looking for her but fred continued to return to haver haver hill every single weekend to search for his daughter um again this is kind of this is that weird point that i mentioned that after her parents got divorced she lived with her mom but it seemed like she had a really good relationship with her father um like in her later life like he came and helped her like go car shopping um he was coming back every single weekend to help search for her not to say that her his mother her mother wasn't but i don't know in March 2004, there was a disappearance of another girl named Brianna Maitland in Montgomery, Vermont, around 66 miles from Mora's disappearance site. Police stated no links between the cases. So they were in very close proximity, but there were no, like, really big um, like similarities, similarities. Enough yeah. that you could link the two cases to say, oh, it was, it's like a serial killer or something. Well, and like 66 miles isn't particularly close really if you think about it so i mean it's like if there was a disappearance 
on the other side of the United States, like in California, you wouldn't think anything of it. But because they were yeah. both like in Vermont, New Hampshire, like I feel like of all places, mm-hmm. it's close enough that people that are just kind of grasping at straws yeah. would be like, oh, maybe there's there's a link there. I don't know. Um, and then like the next kind of time frame is from like July 2004 to December 2005. And this is where some really weird schnike comes out. Okay. On July 1st, a one mile radius search, which was the fourth search, um, but the first without snow on the ground was conducted. So that's a big note to make that there was no snow on the ground at this point. So, you know, if she had possibly died and somehow been buried underneath snow, they would find something at this point. Um, Mora had been spotted with a black backpack, like I mentioned earlier which was not found in her car. And this is what the police were after. This was like the big piece of evidence that they really thought that Mm -hmm. if they found this backpack, they would find Mora or they would find at least like remains of Mora to be quite honest. Um, Well, yeah, because at this point they don't have a body so they they can't even know for sure if she's dead, so. demon coming out of me i don't know anyway a man okay this is where it gets really weird like hold on to your seats guys okay a man gave mora's father a rusty knife that belonged to the man's brother who he thought had killed mora okay this like random dude okay he gave so at this point mora's father I don't want to say public figure, but he was kind of a public figure in the area. He had been going on, you know, CNN. He had been at, at press conferences. He had been, everyone yeah. knew who Fred Murray was, Murray, who Fred Murray was. Um, <clears throat> and this man came up with a rusty knife and said, this belongs to my brother. And I think that he killed Mora. Okay. The man and his girlfriend had been acting strangely ever since the disappearance. After this nice knife incident, the man got rid of his Volvo. Could be a coincidence that he was just getting a new car. Yeah. Could be that he was transporting a body in the car. Don't know. Don't know. Anyway, um, the family of both men <laughs> later said that the man who gave Fred the knife, so the brother, had a drug problem and had possibly just wanted the reward money. Okay, but just wait, there's a little bit of something that comes in there that'll kind of come full circle that I think that that there's got to be something here, okay? On November 2005, a user named Tom Davies wrote on a message board called Not Without Peril. If you guys remember, the book that was found in her car was called Not Without Peril and essentially like a website blog kind of thing was made that was dedicated to um, a discussion of Mora's disappearance and trying to find her and this person who I'm assuming used a fake name um, which was Tom Davies wrote <laughs> wrote that he claimed to see have seen a black backpack behind a restroom at I'm not even going to try to say it Pemijawasset Pemijawasset overlook which is around 30 miles east of woodsville yeah i love how that's a really long word and you like just went for it go you so this is a this was a big deal when this came out that someone said that claimed that they had seen a black backpack 
only 30 miles. So 30 miles is a long ways, right? But it's possible that she had walked 30 miles. So it's totally, totally possible that it this was her backpack that was found. It's well, it, time, it's even it's even more likely though that she, she had been driven the 30 or miles. Because yeah. 30 miles or hitchhiked and like she, it doesn't sound like she was dressed to be walking in the snow. Especially in just thinking, New England snow, like, yeah. yeah, she would have been, she wouldn't have gotten very far in jeans and a jacket. But like, I also get the vibe, regardless of this being her backpack or not, that she was driven somewhere. Yeah. Um, so the police never disclosed whether this backpack was taken in for testing. Um, if I remember correctly, I didn't write it down in my notes because I kind of just like glazed over it. But if I remember correctly, when I was researching this, it, it said something along the lines of the police said, we know about the backpack, but they refused to say if they had taken it for forensic testing. And to me, that's possibly because they have some information like what we were talking about earlier where yeah. they don't want to give the public called? they don't want to give the public information that the public might use later to like i don't know they want to have stuff that's basically a secret from the public so that they can have it confirmed by their suspects and stuff yeah yeah <clears throat> in october of 2006 this is where Shit hits the fan, is what I'll say. Uh-oh. In the closet of an A-frame house around one mile from the crash site, cadaver dogs went, quote-unquote, bonkers, possibly identifying the presence of human remains. So, and it's my understanding that this house was be- um belonged to the guy that was like, hey, my brother. The house had formerly been the residence of Knife Man, mentioned earlier. The owner of the knife or the brother? The owner of the knife. Okay. Yeah, like his brother owned it and the the knife guy like was renting it from him, right? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. So boom. Yeah, I mean, like this a is a thousand per ca- percent connected. This is a huge so basically I I mean now we're kind of at the end where we're gonna start talking about theories, and essentially there are two theories and i'll say this first real quick before we start talking about the theories um fred morrow's father continues to say and promote his belief that he thinks mora is dead and he really believes that the cadaver dogs found her body in that a-frame cabin um there were a variety of like tests and searches blah 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 whatever in that area and basically they didn't find anything in the house um but I I don't know the fact that they that the cadaver dogs thought they found a body, but then they just never end up finding one. Finding one, I feel like that still could mean that there was traces of a body, like a body had been there previously. And yes. I did just I did just see something that was like, <clears throat> um, they took like carpet samples. And I guess they found um, there was, like, wood chips in the house that had blood trace on them. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they didn't connect it to her, but... See, and that's the thing. It's, like, 
like over and over again with this case, there's all this stuff. They're like, okay, this has to be, you know, this, this pu- missing puzzle piece that'll connect everything. And uh-huh. the truth is, and like the most like, like upsetting, but just like plain truth is it's not like, no, nothing has really, I mean, obviously that's why it's still unsolved, like connected anything. Like we, we have, there's, we have no idea. And the fact that they have not found her remains is still is kind weird. of crazy to me. So, yeah, I don't know. For I me, mean, it seems pretty cut and dry. Knife man. There, yeah. So there are a few theories. Um, knife man is one of them. Um, this is a, that's a pretty well-known theory. And again, that's what Fred's, what Fred, I almost said Fred's father. What Fred, Mora's father believes um, is that those people, ha- those people have something to do with it. They have to. So, I mean, that's Abby's theory of choice, which it kind of is mine as well. Um, the other one is that she ran away to avoid a DUI, um, possibly a second sort of like, I mean, she basically ran away from the police and got lost in the woods and died. Okay. And died from exposure because like we said, she wasn't equipped to be out in the wilderness in the winter in New England. What whatever. if she ran away from the police and got picked up hitchhiking by knife man and then got murdered? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. So it's like, that's like a connection of the two sort of. Um, well, and I know that there's like this idea that maybe it was just like an opportunistic killer, like somebody yeah. was driving down the road and was like, "Oh, yeah, she's so, yeah. walking alone in the dark. Nobody would possibly see me." That's and I know I just I did just see something that was like uh, the Oxygen documentary. That's how they kind of conclude it. They're like, most likely it was probably just somebody driving down the road that was like oh she's by herself and mm-hmm. they just you know like an opportunity yeah arose and so i mean essentially what i think is that she she most likely ran off like ran away from the crash site to avoid the police but then what happened to her after that was not her own decision i guess is how i'll say that um, so I think that it's highly likely that she was picked up by somebody who eventually killed her. Right. Um, and that's, that would explain why there's like not really any footprints and why they could trace the dogs could trace the glove up to a certain distance. And then they couldn't find anything else as if she would, be, she had been picked up by a car. Um, there's also this kind of other theory that's a little bit more like, I don't know if I want to say far-fetched, but because all of these are technically far-fetched because none of them we know to be true. But um, there's a theory that she possibly made it into Canada somehow with any without anybody recognizing her. Um, and she went into hiding and she's still there to this day living up there with a, under a faith name or whatever. Um, and this theory kind of goes along with the fact that she wanted to run away. And, you know, that it's kind of far-fetched but it's also kind of not because it's highly I think it's highly possible that she wanted to run away um she kind of had set everything up to make it look I mean if she wanted to run away and she wanted people to think that she wasn't going to run away and she was going to come back she had pretty much perfectly set everything up to look that way um overall 
I guess you could say it's, it's highly unlikely that they had searched so hard and for so long and found nothing. And it was still just kind of like this random, oh, she just wanted to go. She just wanted to run away. Um, that's unlikely. Like the fact, the fact is, is she was probably murdered. Um, in my opinion, I think she was probably murdered. And the reason why no one ever found anything was because somehow her remains were eaten. They were eaten. They were burned somehow. Whoever killed her did something right, I guess, in, in, in hiding evidence and hiding that. And, and like we were mm-hmm. saying just a little bit ago too, like everything is so, like they just don't have any firm evidence. So even when this whole knife thing came about, it, but they couldn't connect anything like exactly, like they couldn't find literal human remains inside the house it's a little bit too much to be a coincidence, but it's like the police can't just arrest people based off of, oh yeah, we think that you're probably related to this this weird disappearance. Well, and so I will say real quick, I, th- I think the more I think about it, the more I kind of think she committed suicide. And I'll tell you why. I like the whole like, within the past month there was like a bunch of stuff going wrong in her life and like it definitely seems like she was like kind of like at the end of her rope kind of like yeah and i don't think it's weird because you would think oh the fact that she told all of her teachers she was leaving you would think that that would like cement this idea that she that's not what she was doing she was like why would she go through all that trouble if she was just gonna commit suicide so like but i don't know i i think like she just walked in like she was driving and she like was intending on doing whatever and she got in that car accident and she having an already fragile mental state which i think she did like that was like the tipping point for her and she decided to just like walk into the woods and commit suicide and maybe she brought all that liquor with her to like numb herself yeah um and it definitely sounds like my question it definitely sounds like she was like being very reckless yeah she it's out i mean but if if she was walking into these fairly thick woods and they're fairly thick from my understanding i mean See, Lots of things could have happened, you know? I feel like I'm, like, torn half and half between, okay, did she die in the woods, whether that was by suicide or by exposure or she got eaten, blah, 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 whatever, or was she murdered? Like, either either way, the main question that's left is, where the hell's her remains? Where the hell is her body? Why has no one found that yet? Why have they been looking for years and years and years and no one found it? So if she and died, I think that's what everyone really thinks for the most part. If she died in the woods, she like of whatever cause, which I don't think it was suicide, but say she died from exposure to the elements. I mean, it wasn't warm by any means. She like either would have decomposed or been eaten, but like bones you, still, you would still find something exactly you still find some kind of bones or clothes or belongings like her belongings her backpack that she supposedly had with her would have been somewhere which is why i am totally leaning towards murder 
So, and there also is, like, the much less, like, this is kind of like a far shot, but just from what I've read on Reddit during this podcast recording, um, some people think it's suspicious that the boyfriend, um, be- well, so first of all, I the voicemail that he was like, oh yeah, she called me while I was in flight, and it was her whine- like crying. Um, it like he deleted it, like no one actually ever listened to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that's hearsay. Well, no, it's oh. him saying like, yeah, she. This is the call Sorry, I got. I guess hearsay is not the right word. It's um, just like something so, he says, so and I'm- people are like, people are like. Was he on his way home before he even knew that Mora was gone? Like, did he, like, have some kind of, like, involvement because he was already in the air before he possibly could have, like, been told that she was missing? Like, I think there's, like, a lot of inconsistencies with his story is, like, what people are saying. And Mm -hmm. um, because there's so much, like, secondhand information, people are like, he could very much be more involved than he's making it out to be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, so he was in the military. Bill Roush, he was a lieutenant. So he was living in Oklahoma when this happened. That's where he was flying from. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't know. I feel like it's possible. I feel like it's possible that he's more involved than he's let on. But, like, I still don't think. Maybe he knows that she ran away. Maybe even if even, even if it's even like then, that small of then, a what is what is that gonna do? Like what would that yeah. have? I don't know. Because I mean, I certainly don't think that the boyfriend had enough involvement to say that like he had like helped her kill herself or killed her or something. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. And even if he did have knowledge, even if she had been saying, Oh, I'm gonna run away, I hate my life, blah blah blah, like Maybe he didn't do anything about it because she said this in the past. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not to, like, victim blame or anything like that, but, like, maybe... Well, maybe he... I don't know. I guess it just seems weird that she was doing... Because the whole, like, her running away thing also contributes to my theory that she was, like, having, like, a little bit of a mental breakdown... So I guess it's, like, whether or not you think she was having a mental breakdown in the direction of, like, suicidal thoughts or if she was more thinking, like, I just want a fresh start. I'm going to just See, and that's, that's why that um, kind of... And she had packed up a bunch of stuff. So I wonder if she was packing and she went for a drive and she was going to come back and pick stuff up. Like, maybe she wasn't Or maybe like, she was, like, going to go visit Burlington, Vermont and see if she liked the area and then she was going to yeah. move there. Um, because stuff was packed that definitely can that definitely like is good evidence for her just like thinking she was gonna move like because she had packed stuff but your what you said too about like maybe she just wanted to like get away and like no one asked her any questions I feel like it's very possible that um she did it like that's why the whole theory of like oh maybe she fled to Canada and she's just been living there like under a false name is like Uh even at all talked about theories because maybe she really just was tired of her life and wanted to not end her life but just move on like go do some like just like escape 
it, you know? And, I mean, she, if that is the case, as morbid as it sounds, she did a hell of a job. Yeah. Yeah. She did, she did exactly, if that is the case, she did exactly what she set out to do. Right. Yeah. Like, she abandoned the car. I mean, I guess she didn't really have any um, choice because it had, like, broken down, right? Because she, like, missed a turn, right? Like, she, and she, because it was icy and she, like, slid. So I wonder if the car was, like, not drivable anymore. But she was, like, I've already made up my mind that I'm leaving the country. And so she just hitchhiked the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, totally so possible. Cool. Like, if you are brave enough, you can hitchhike just about anywhere. So I, like I said a little bit earlier, I'm, like, halfway torn between someone killed her, probably Knife Man, or she died of exposure whether that was by her personal choice like as a way to like kill herself or if that was on accident i'm split in between and either way i'm still like where's the body why have they not found anything why have they not found it is like bones remains it is weird that because they did so much searching right at the beginning like there still would have been a decomposing body, which would have been way easier for cadaver dogs to find. Because, like, bones bones are harder, harder to find, especially in a wooded area that's, like, a huge circumference. Like, but you're right. Like, they should have initially found some remains. Mm-hmm. The only explanation would be murder and somebody, like, burned the body or dumped it, you know? Yeah. Dumped it somewhere completely random. Like, nowhere near where they would be thinking And they to just look. can't find it, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, because so, they only looked near where she disappeared, so. Right, yeah. Because I'm he- looking at the, like, the map of, like, the searches that they did. And it's all just, I mean, it's surrounding, like, where she went missing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Caitlin, do you, do you have, you, you're still going with the suicide theory? <sighs> you know... I, like, I almost want to lean towards that, and I don't know why, but, like, my gut is she was doing a lot of weird things before she went mm-hmm. missing, like which erotic. makes which makes me think she was feeling suicidal. Maybe she didn't intend on committed, committing suicide, but, like, like I said, maybe, like, the car accident, like, triggered something, and she, like, right then and there was... Because it's obviously, like, suicide isn't, like, a rational decision. It's mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, people are act erratically they they kind of like suddenly do it yeah or it'll seem really sudden even to people that know them super well so right and i mean no father wants to admit that he thinks that his daughter killed herself you know yeah i agree with that part too yeah well we're all just a sad case for sure yeah that's yeah. all all we have on the Maura murray case um like I've said millions of times throughout this episode, it is one of the most troubling disappearance cases for the fact that there are all these pieces of information that you read and you're like, oh, that's got to lead to something. And it just doesn't. Well, and And it's like, this should mean something. If we had any other piece of information that was like related to this piece of information, we might have something, but we only have this, you know? Yeah. Right. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And we're coming up on um, 2021 or it's the, and she disappeared in 2004. So what is that? 17 years that she's been um, gone. Yeah. Disappeared. (laughs) So, I mean, 
it's it's one of those cases that I certainly hope that one day we find an answer to. But um, I mean, yeah. uh, random little tidbit, really quick. She could have been like she could be being held prisoner. Like we've had cases where people are held prisoner for longer than that. That would yeah. explain no body. And that would be really, imagine, that would be crazy if, like, just randomly someone was like, I've had more this whole time. And Well, also yeah. think about it in the sense that the brother of the guy with the knife could have been like, yeah, my brother's acting weird. I think he killed somebody. And they smelled a different body. Yeah. Oh, you okay, think sorry. Rusty Knife, you think Rusty Knife guy has her prisoner? <laughs> no, I think he could have smelled... A different body. Rusty Knife Guy has killed others. Yes. So oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, we would have, I think we, they would have found her if it was In him. that case, it was like that, that's totally the opportunistic killer theory. Right. You know? Thousand percent. Yep. So. Anyways, let us know what you guys think about this case down below in the comments on our Instagram or our YouTube at Who What Where Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you slash you'll hear from us in the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.